Well, good morning. morning. It's really good to be here and to be able to share some some ministry with you this morning. A while ago, uh, I was talking to Richard. We do meet quite regularly, have breakfast together. I have a bacon sandwich and he has... (laughs) With extra egg, extra bread and butter. And we were just chatting and he was talking about the, the angle of lessons learnt. And uh, I said, well, actually, over, the, over the, my period of ministry, I've, I've already got 33 lessons that I've kind of built up over the years. So you'd be pleased to know I'm not doing all 33 this morning, just, just four. And then if, uh, if there's chance, maybe in the future, we might look at one or two more of them, just depending if it's relevant or convenient. So I just trust that they'll help you. Now, these are, these are lessons that um, I, I've probably learned over the last 60 years of being a Christian. I would expect someone to shout out, well, you don't look 60, you can't, you don't even look. So I've got, <laughs> but nobody did. Um, yeah, but 60 years of being a Christian and also 45 years of being in some kind of Christian leadership or ministry, uh, full time uh, serving God, 22 years of which we're here leading this church. Obviously, there's going to be, because I'm talking about lessons I've learned, there's quite a lot of personal illustrations. And some of the illustrations over the last 22 years I will have used here at some point, so you may remember them. But I think there's a lot of different people here, and also many of these are just worth repeating a second time, just to hammer home the point. And so what I want to do is um, hang what I'm saying, because I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to be dipping into that many parts of Scripture. Um, I've not got a specific reading, but I've got three verses that I just want to hang everything that I'm saying on this morning. And they should come up on your screen. The first one is this, Philippians 1.6. It says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Now, that gives me the impression, certainly, that there will be progress in our Christian life. He who has begun a work in you will carry it on. So we think there's going to be progress. Uh, but often, you know, when you, uh, just as one or two people have been saying, sometimes you feel, oh, well, I don't feel like I'm making progress. I feel like I'm going on in circles. Or sometimes you might think I'm going three steps forward, two back. Even worse, you might be thinking I'm going two steps forward, three back. But here, God is saying, I'm, actually, or Christ is saying, I will carry it on to completion. The second verse, 1 Timothy 4.16, says this, because don't forget, if you're carrying this, work, this Christian walk on, there's some things you have to abide by. And it says this, Paul, Paul says to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. In other words, it's important that we believe the Bible and what the Bible says and we have an understanding of it, but also that we then carry out what it says. Because some people say they believe this and they believe that, but you'd never think so by the behavior. So I strongly believe that what you, how you behave really proves what you believe. So all part of this journey is, is God wanting us to come closer to him in our life and our doctrine. And then thirdly, don't forget, it's not, you're not doing this on your, on your own because sometimes you can think, well, this is going to be really hard work because it says, 2 Peter 1, 3, his divine power has given, given us everything we need for a godly life. So in other words, watch your life and your doctrine. In other words, make sure you behave how you, what you believe, but also you struggle on your own a bit, so I've given you the Holy Spirit so that you can then, he can help you to live that particular life. So I'm hanging it on that, but believing, does that make sense? So the first thing is this, don't just settle for the comfortable. Don't just settle for the comfortable. I've already said the Christian journey is a walk and it's possible on that walk you can park up 
anywhere that you like. Now, let me give you the illustration of the children of Israel going through the desert. It starts off by, they're in a place of slavery. In other words, they were working, just working their lives away, but they were being fed and they were being sheltered. And it wasn't long that when Moses freed them from this, so in a place of slavery, Moses freed them, but the journey became a problem. And very, very quickly, bring us out here and bury us in the desert. Or then they were finding that there was no food around. So they were saying, well, we may as well, have, at least in Egypt, we had some food. Now, I'm thinking of that place of slavery a little bit for us. That, that we, when we first become a Christian, we, we are dependent upon people and, and circumstances and church and leaders and pastors and, and all kinds of things to help journey so that we become people who can feed ourselves in a sense. And so we move out of the slavery of that dependency. But after we move from um, the place of slavery, we then come to a place of, don't worry, don't worry, it'll dry. A place of sufficiency is a dangerous place. Um, so when, when they came, they complained about having no food and then got uh, red every morning. So you don't have to go to Tesco, you don't have to go to Aldi, you don't have to go to Waitrose. In, every morning it's there for you. Don't take too much. Not, and, I know the other day people were buying lots and lots of water thinking because we're having a drought. So everybody's now, instead of toilet rolls, it's water at the moment. Everybody's hoarding. It's sufficient. In the evening, there is meat. Also, your shoes will never wear out. You don't need to go to Timpsons again. You don't need to buy another pair of shoes. They will never wear out. So now they're in a place of particularly comfort. comfort. They've got sufficient. And, it's got, and then it's, it says that this is how you're going to be led. There's going to be a pillar of uh, cloud by day. It's now sufficient and comfortable. They're thinking, oh, I hope that cloud doesn't move. I think I hope it don't move because Mr. and Mrs. Moses have just got all the pans in position. They've got all the stuff right in the tent. They know where everything is. They're nice and settled. And then Moses, Mrs. Moses says, that flipping, that flipping cloud's moving, Moses. Now, it don't say flipping in the Bible. I imagine that's how she must have felt because we've just got comfortable. We're just in this comfortable position. And really, we don't want to move again. There's a passage in Genesis 11. I won't go into detail about it, but it's about Terah and Abram. And Terah is Abram's father. And it says that they were on the journey to Canaan, which was the promised land. But when they got to Haran, they settled there. And they weren't supposed to settle there. But why did they settle? Because they'd done this long journey. They were probably tired. And then it says Haran, they'd obviously had a comfortable existence and were able to gather many materials and become quite prosperous. And they didn't really want to move because it was comfortable I've told you this before a long while ago but when I was at Bible college we had a year's break in between me and my friend we decided we was going to hitchhike to Israel with 50 pound each 10 countries we was going to do it in a week and that was our plan we had eight weeks actually in the 10 weeks to do this so we set off from the M1 Sheffield hitchhiking through uh, France and Italy and Switzerland and what was Yugoslavia and then eventually coming into Greece. Now, before we left, there was a couple in our, our church at Denton that would get, get, just got married and they said, we're going on honeymoon to Greece. They said, we're in this place called Thessalonica and if you happen to be passing, pop in. <laughs> would you say that when you're on your honeymoon? You wouldn't, would you? Well, they did. And so instead of being in, we thought we'd be in Israel in a week by the time we got to Greece, it had taken a week. We'd spent nearly all our money, and I was shattered. I just wanted to go home to my mum. I just, I just wanted to go home. But we happened to be in Thessalonica, 
And we were, we were very near this hotel where this couple were. So I says to Jed, my friend, I said, shall we, shall we, shall we go and see? So, so I just wanted a break from this awful journey. And, and so we went, went into the grounds. And our friend, he was called Phil Brayshaw, he was just about to dive in the swimming pool. Just, just like this. So we snuck up behind him, tapped him on the shoulder, and he looked round in disgust. It's like, I didn't really mean it. I didn't really mean it, but, but here you are. So they were very kind to us. And they said, well, stay a few days and you can sleep on our, our veranda. So me and Jed, they're on the running moon and we're sleeping on their veranda. Unbelievable. And anyway, that, that happened. And then after three days, I, I was getting to like this very much. And it, 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 was, it was just nice, relaxing, comfortable. I just didn't want to carry on. I was going to have to go now through Turkey, Syria, Jordan to get to Israel. And I'd had enough. And then they said to us after three days, they said, look, we're here another week. And what we, we've got enough money, we can, we, if you want to stay, we can, we can pay for a meal a day. Well, I was, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. I had enough, but Jed, no, 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 we're going on, we're going on. So it's either I make my own way home after this is over, or I stick with Jed. So in the end, I stuck with him. But the difference in me and Jed was he wanted to get to, and actually it was Israel we were going to, the prom, <laughs> a bit like the promised land. And... Um, but I wanted to basically go home because I was comfortable. I, I didn't want to move. I didn't want to digit the rest of the journey. But anyway, but then I think back, I thought, if I hadn't have carried on, I would have never sat on a deck chair in the Red Sea watching the sun, a massive, just drop into the sea. And you can almost hear it going, well, you couldn't really, but that's what it felt like as you were sat there. I would have never experienced all those wonders that we saw if we hadn't carried on the journey and had settled for the comfortable. And that was a danger for the children of Israel. But what God wants them to do is not all settle for the comfortable. He wanted them to move on to the place of surplus. The place of surplus. Because where they were heading was what they call the, the, the land of milk and honey. And the difficulty was here, there were 12 spies that were sent from the place of sufficiency to look at the land of surplus. And they, they were a bit like some were glass half full and some were glass half empty. And 10 of them said... There's no chance. You should see the size of the giants. You should see the fortified cities. You should see the battles that we'll have to face. Let's stay in the place of sufficiency. Forget the surplus. This is enough. This is adequate. But the other two, they said the same thing. But they said there's every chance. Yet you should see the giants. You should see the battles we're going to face. You should see the fortified cities. But you should see the grapes. You should see the food. You should see the surplus. You should see what we could have if we carry on. We have a choice where we park up in the Christian life. The danger is to settle for the comfortable. The place of slavery, the place of sufficiency, or the place of surplus. Or can I make it in more layman's terms? The place of not enough, the place of enough, or the place of more than enough. So don't just settle for the comfortable. Lesson one. Does that make sense? Good. Number two. Richard said it was very good. Do you think it was very good? <laughs> I'll buy the next breakfast, Richard. You keep that up now. Don't do <laughs> the second thing is this. Don't just endure the journey. Enjoy the journey. Now, that might, you might say that's easy for you to say because you don't know what I'm going through. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. I live with Sue. So you don't, you don't, so we're all, we're all in different, we're all in different 
positions. Now, if you say enjoy the journey, if you've tried to experience traveling recently, you say you don't enjoy the journey, do you? You endure it. You endure Manchester Airport. It's a battle. It's a cattle market. It's awful. So it's a bit hard to get a, a proper understanding of that. But what I want to do is encourage us to enjoy the Christian journey. One of the ministers in Assemblies of God, he wrote a book. And um, the book is called Rest. And he's trying to encourage people to understand the need of Sabbath rest. We all need to rest. And um, in his book, he starts to tell a story about when he used to go on holiday with his dad. This was in Ireland. And they used to go just probably 60, 70 miles on their holiday, which reminded me very much of when I was a boy and my dad used to take us to Rill from Manchester to Rill. And that was equivalent to kind of our holiday distance, 70 miles. And he said the frustration is when he went on this holiday with his dad, it's two things that really frustrated him. The first was this. His dad drove everywhere at 30 mile an hour, so it took forever. He'd get a table out, get the flask out, get the tunnock's tea cakes out, get the sandwiches out. You're looking at Clive, is he doing that? Does he? <laughs> get the tunnock's tea cakes out and sit down and have a picnic after 30 miles. And then, he, he, as a boy, he said, I could, I, could, I could hear the sea. I could smell the candy floss. I could, I could Im, Im, imagine the fair. I just wanted to get there. And my dad sat eating Tunnock's tea cakes 30 miles from home in a lay-by in a car that's been doing 35, 30 miles an hour. Later in his life, this guy who becomes a minister, he's led church, and he, he's gone through some tough times, which he can do as a Christian leader in a church. Um, and uh, he was going through some tough times. And he said, it's just like the Holy Spirit reminded him of that, his, his dad and that journey. And just in his own mind was, yes, but your dad didn't just want to get to the destination. He wanted to enjoy the journey. And it's tough, isn't it, sometimes? But even as in, in secular life, in natural life, to be enjoy the world that God has given to us, to, to be able to enjoy it. And I know sometimes we can get very frustrated. I've preached this loads of times, this illustration. And Sue says, you preach it, but you know better yourself. And Do you ever go in a supermarket and you think, you get your basket full and then you look, which, which till do I go to? And so you weigh them all up. You look how high the thing is. You look, do they look like they've been paying by check or credit card or cash? Does it look like uh, the till operator is one of, one of these that put the tea bags through and have a conversation? How are you today? Yeah. Are, are you going on holiday? Yeah. And you stood at the back of your queue and trying to push them along. And, and then you, you go through and you actually get in, a, you get in one of the queues. And, you're, and then you notice you're counting, I'm the fifth in line, and you're counting who's the fifth in line all the way down, and see who's moving faster than you, and then suddenly the till roll runs out, and, the, the, you, and now you're getting frustrated, so you back up and you go into another queue. And, and it's like, when you get through to the other side, if you've beat number five all along, it can be like, and I, I, I try my best to do, do this. I was in own bargains the other day, and there was this lady in front of me. She goes through all this, and then she decides she doesn't want that, and the lady has to go ask the manager to come and get another item off the shelf, so you're waiting for that. And then when it's all over, she asks for the money, and then she can't find a purse in her bag. And <laughs> you just want to pay for her, aren't you? Just, just, but we can be like that sometimes, or maybe I can. Maybe none of you have ever done any of that yourselves. But, you know, life can be, life can be mundane. It can, the fact is, some of life is mundane. But this is what the Bible says about Christian life. It says, John 10, 10, I have come to bring you life and I've come to give you life to the full, to the maximum, to the best that you can have. And that's not just talking about heaven. That's talking about now. That's talking about here. And let, sometimes, you know, you, you look at some person, and I wish I would asked them how they were today, and that, that kind of situation. I remember a number of years ago, I was um, looking after quite a few churches in the Northwest, 
here, I was um, regional superintendent, and I used to go around and try and help people who were having difficulties. And there was this guy who was particularly struggling in leading his church. And he said this to me, which actually shocked me. And he said, you know what? If I wasn't the pastor here, I wouldn't come to this church. It was called Richard Cook. No, 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 he didn't say. He said, he said I, I wouldn't come here. I said, oh, that's interesting. And uh, I said, why wouldn't you come here? And he said, because it's boring. I, I thought, you, you're the leader. <laughs> it's, it's boring. And, um, but I'm thinking, you know, we, the Church of Jesus Christ, it, we are part of the greatest corporation on the planet Earth. We are part of the, 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 the greatest organism on planet Earth. Um, the Bible says this, we know about God's creativity, and, and it actually says that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So the creativity even of Christ and, and the Godhead is within us. Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. What an incredible place to be. And yet sometimes people can just live like, well, it's just a mundane thing. But I just want to encourage you not just to, not to endure the journey, but to enjoy the journey. You don't, you don't sound convinced, are you? You're going to try. This time in the supermarket, behave. Okay, we'll see. So second, don't just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Then number three, don't entertain the little foxes and the dead flies. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, in Song of Solomon, it refers to the little foxes that spoil the vineyards that are in bloom. And what it's actually saying is there, you can have a massive vineyard, a very productive vineyard, a very, um, what's the word, when it, when it grows really well, a vineyard that's, that's flourishing. And yet it's the little foxes. Notice little that can destroy something that's so big and prosperous and expansive. It also says in Ecclesiastes 10 once, it refers to the little things that trip us up. It's not always the big things, or it's the little things closely, but it's the little things that can Call. Integrity simply means doing the right thing and that we do the right thing in the small things. It says in Samuel 22, sorry, 2 Samuel, it says he defended a field that was full of lentils. And then you think, why would you risk your life for some lentils? If, if the land had treasure, if other, other of their army were in that land or if, if there was something precious and special, you couldn't understand someone defending it. But why would you... Defend lentils. I don't know. I've never bought lentils, but 10 pence a packet. When you finish your soup, what's left at the bottom sometime? Some bits of lentils. Why would you risk your life for a few lentils? The simple answer was he was defending their territory. He was doing what God wanted them to do and defend the territory. He was just doing the right thing over something small and simple, but he was risking his life doing it. That's why he was one of David's mighty men. Now, I, I did give this illustration a long time ago here and it had a really good ending so I'm going to do it again in case I get the same ending um, a long time ago on one of my birthdays Sue says come on we'll go to the Trafford Centre and we'll buy you a present for your birthday So, because I didn't know what I wanted and we get to the Trafford Centre and we find this sh shoe shop called June that's normally very expensive in fact all these birthdays ago it was very very expensive then and, uh, you know, maybe £89, £99 for a pair of shoes, which I would never at that point in my, in my life have paid. Uh, but in this, we come home, and I, I really like them, and I wore them a lot. And then after a couple of weeks, I kind of stumbled on it, and I noticed the front had come apart like that, like a mouth. 
from the, the salt here. And so I'm saying, oh, we're going to have to go back with these. So I said, Sue, get the, get the receipt. I've got the receipt. I don't keep receipts. Why do you need receipts? We need receipts in case we have to take them back. Go back to the shop and we'll see what we can, if we can just exchange them for another pair. So we get to the traffic centre, get to the shop, sales over. Everything is 89 pounds And my brain's already thinking, I'm going to get a credit note here for 29 quid, which is no good because to get another pair of shoes here, I've got to put another 70 quid to it. So we decide to go in, tell the lady the story. Now, just get this for the minute. I've not got the receipt. It's a different server. There's no shoes and they've got no price. And the, the lady says to me, uh, yes, okay. How much did you pay for them? So my mouth opened and nothing came out because my brain, <laughs> my brain was saying, my brain was saying, you're going to get ripped off here. And if you say £39, she won't know any different. Gets worse. If you say £49, she won't know any different. And so this is good. It's like I've been there half an hour with my mouth open and nothing's coming out. And then in the end, in the end, 29 And I, get, I come out with a credit note, £29. And uh, I'm outside and I stop. And I suddenly felt horrified at myself. Because, and pardon, pardon me, I'll put this, I don't mean it in any superior way. This wasn't just Ian Watson buying a pair of shoes. This was Ian Watson, senior minister at the Bridge Church, who was always telling the people it's important to do the right thing. And a simple question, a simple question, what did you pay for them? Caused me to stumble. My brain's going all over the place. Think of things I'd never normally think, like you was obsessed with money. And it was, that was a shock because... When I came out, I realized that it's just sometimes the little things, the little foxes, the dead flies, the things that you think nothing about that sometimes you just overlook that can give you some of these awful situations. Every day, let me tell you this, every day there is, um, oh, in fact, there's a verse in the Bible, this is what I meant to say to you, oh no, the, the, the ending, let me tell you the ending. So I, I, told, I told the church here what had happened that week. And next, next, next week in the post, there was an envelope with 70 pounds in to go to the new shoes. 10 Lever House, Green Mount Lane, Bolton, BL15JF, if you want to put 70 pounds in there. I was joking, I was joking. But you know, there is a verse in the Bible that does say, Ephesians 4, 27, don't give the devil a foothold. And it's talking about if you give the devil just a foothold, a little foothold, soon it becomes a gaping big hole. Every day we have a journey and we have a battle with the flesh and the spirit. Every day for all of us, the battle of the flesh and the spirit. And the one that we feed most becomes the strongest. You feed the flesh more, the flesh will become stronger. You feed the spirit more, the spirit becomes stronger. But I find very challenging as I come to the end of this third section here. It's very challenging in 2 Samuel 11, 1. And it's about King David. And he'd won many, many, many battles. He'd become probably confident, too confident, therefore complacent. And it says in this verse, it says, when the kings went to war, David stayed at home. And very quickly, when he stayed at home, he became complacent. And then he sees this young lady called Bathsheba bathing. And he likes to look at Bathsheba. All I want to talk, just emphasize here is when we let the little things happen, there is this um, escalation of issues that just seem to happen. And take a cappuccino or a latte or a... The one I like now is the um, flat white. 
anyway, whatever. She was going to come over. She comes over. So it escalates from just seeing her to a coffee. Then the next thing that happens is that it might have escalated to a kiss. And the next thing, it escalates to an affair. And the next thing, it escalates to a pregnancy. So he can lie with his wife and it looked like it's his baby. But the guy's too, too, he's got too many morals about him because he makes her all fighting on the battlefield. He doesn't feel he can lie with his wife. And so what he does, he escalates again. He brings him home and he gets him drunk. And he says, once he's drunk, he'll probably go and I'll send him home part of the battle in order for him to be killed so it covers up and then it looks like it's his baby but he's dead now and it all escalated from when kings went to war David actually just taking a break and it all goes serious log just the small things so the third thing there's I finish with that one is don't entertain the little foxes and the flies last of all fourth lesson for today don't entertain a plan b now, I don't mean about, I'm not, talking, not having common sense here. I'm talking about if God, you feel God has put you on a certain path or a certain direction or wants you to do something, don't put something in place in case it goes wrong because that's a dangerous thing that can often happen in a route that you didn't expect to go on. And so you become, you, you question, is this right? That doesn't feel right. I'm not sure. That's not what I would have done. But actually, it's taking you on a route you don't know. When sat-navs first came out, I'm very slow at picking up with technology. So for a long time, I would still have post-it notes. Well, I would get this. Anybody still has one? <laughs> Clive, Clive's got one. <laughs> the picnic, and use this for your picnic. For your, the <laughs> um, so I used to, get, I used to route, do the, the route where I'm going in here. Then I'd get post-it notes and put them on my dash, you know, up the M5, come off the M5 at junction, whatever. And I, I would always get there. But then the sat-navs came and then we got one and um, we had many a battle, me and Susan, over this sat-nav because this lady had told me to do something on this thing and I thought, I, no, I, that's, not, that's not the way I'd go. She said, well, what's the point of having it if you're ignoring her? And, and so, so what I'd do, I'd, I'd say, well, I'm just going to pull in and just get my map out. So my plan B was always my map, right? Plan A was I've got this sat-nav. Plan B is, you know, the, so in the end, I had to follow this, I, I had to follow this, it's true, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. So I had to follow this woman, but it was just, just, now the problem is the sat-nav only tells you the next step. With this, I knew where I was going. And with God's sat-nav, often you only have the next step. And so I'm thinking, if I was in, in the position of some of the people in the Bible, um, I, I just couldn't have handled it, my temperament. So Elijah is told by God to go to Ahab and say, tell Ahab there's going to be no more rain no more dew on the ground until I say. So if I, if I was <laughs> Elijah, I'd say to God, then what? Then what? What do I do then? Because if I stand there and tell him that, my head's gone, you know, whatever. And then it, 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 the next day, so, but, it, but Elijah isn't me and he does what he's told. And then God says, now go to the brook Cherith and you can drink at the brook Cherith. And I'd be thinking, yeah, but it's going to run dry because there's a famine. Then what? And then he says, and then I think, how do I get some food? And then he says, then the ravens will come and feed you. And I think, oh, sure they will. Sure the ravens are going to come and feed me. Then what? And so in your process, you're trying to think, what's the option? Where else can I, can I go? What, 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 I want the natural thought of what I would do next. He says, Abraham, uh, he left where he was. He was a man of faith because he left where he was to go where he didn't know where he was going because God told him to go. When Elisha was going to take over from Elijah, uh, you see that Elisha is plowing a field with oxen and a plow. And then he's called to follow Elijah. 
And so what he does, he doesn't think, he doesn't think, ah, now I'll just part my plough up and I'll just part the oxen up because uh, if it goes belly up with Elijah, I can come back to my, my trade. So it, what it says he does, he's not got a plan B. He burns, he didn't have a plan B. It's difficult. It's difficult. It's, it, we've told many times in history, and you can read about all these, where captains or leaders or military people burnt the boats or burnt the bridges so that they couldn't retreat and go back. They could only go forward. There was no plan. Now, if you'd like, please. I finished this one with just a quick illustration from when I used to work secularly as a, a motor vehicle mechanic for the GPO as it was then, which fixed your television as a job. And I was, I was doing very well in this job. I did it for 11 years. And I got to the point where it looked like you could have some promotion. And uh, I, just at that same point, I felt the need or I should or God was calling me to go to Bible college. So I had this major battle because I love my job and I wanted to stop. What if it don't work? What if I give up my, my job? What if I give up my pension? What if I give up doing what I enjoy? What I, and I remember every, every summer break, every half-term break, I'd go back to the GPO. I had a lot of friends. I'd go back, but and it was to, to kind of say, hi, how are you doing? But it was also to say, are there still jobs going here? <laughs> it was to keep my hand in or to keep, don't forget me, in case it goes wrong. It was a plan B in case it went wrong. And it did go wrong, because when I finished, nobody wanted us. And I went back to the old church I went to, and everybody was doing the job I used to do, and they were doing it better. And I said, I, I was pretty miffed, to be honest. I was pretty mad at God at that point, thinking, what, why have I done all this? So, that's how much you missed. I thought, wonderful, that's very pastoral, isn't it? <laughs> but that's, that's, that's exactly how I felt at that point in time. But, you know, someone has said this, and I think it's very, very important when we talk about plan Bs. Some bridges are for burning, others after crossing, our challenge is to know the difference. So don't entertain a plan B. Today we've looked at four lessons. We started with the scripture, he who began a good work will, so there's progress got to be made. We do this by watching our life and our doctrine, that means what we read in the Bible we live by, but we don't do it on our own strength because the third scripture says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. But I believe if we apply the lessons that I've learned today, and like I said in the future, there may be some more, it will help us to live out these scriptures. So just to help you remember, enjoy the journey. Don't entertain the little foxes and the dead flies. Watch out for the little things that can cause us to trip. And don't entertain a plan B if you feel God has given you a plan for your life. Thank you for listening. God bless you all.